What's good? Okay, no thank you. Why, hello there. Greetings, everyone. What's up, Mamarina? Howdy, folks! That's your only line! What do you mean? That's your only line! Try a different language! Hello, this is Bora. Yeah, it's so easy, why don't you guys try? Good morning, and welcome to NPR's Before the Bell, Season 2. This season, with a group of new student producers, we are casting a wider net on a variety of international issues and breaking them down right here. Thank you for listening to Season 2 of Before the Bell. I'm Mia Robarts. And I'm Lindsay Berrios. And we are your new hosts for Before the Bell. Let's dive into the season's topic, international abortion laws. Starting off here in the U.S., there's been a lot of recent controversy, as well as a complicated history regarding American abortion legislation. So, let's start from the beginning. How did these laws originate? Well, according to the Bill of Rights Institute, a nonprofit educational organization, having an abortion before quickening, or when the fetus movements are not felt, was not illegal nor a crime until the 1800s. This changed in 1820, when Connecticut became the first state to criminalize abortion due to its influence of the Lord Ellenborough Act, which established that it was an offense for any person to conduct or have an abortion. The punishment for performing an abortion or attempting to perform an abortion was the death penalty. Fast forward 20 years later, in the 1840s, eight states had adapted such laws. And as time progressed, how did this change? Well, by the 1900s, criminalizing abortion had spread largely due to anti-abortion organizations created such as the Physicians' Crusade Against Abortion. By the mid-1900s, abortion had become illegal in every state, with exceptions only when terminating pregnancies resulting from rape or incest, as well as if an abortion was deemed necessary to save a woman's life. Then, around the 1960s, the feminist movement created an uproar beginning to push for abortion rights. And what happened as a result of that? Abortion became legal? No, not right away at least. But slowly individual states began to change their abortion laws, and in 1970, Hawaii became the first U.S. state to legalize abortion, not only due to medical needs. Other states soon began to follow, and by 1973, when Roe v. Wade was ruled on, up to 30 states already had legalized abortion. We've been hearing a lot about Roe v. Wade in recent news. What exactly was the legality of this case, and why is it such a big deal? Roe v. Wade was a landmark decision in 1973 of the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution granted the right to have an abortion. This made it so a woman's right to abortion was federally protected, instead of each state deciding the laws themselves. Legalizing abortion was no longer something that each state had the chance to decide, but now something that they were federally forced to do. So what happened? Why is Roe v. Wade being talked about now? Well, Roe v. Wade was in place for almost five decades, granting women all over the country a federal right to an abortion. Then, on June 24, 2022, the Supreme Court ruled the case unconstitutional and voted to overturn it. Now it has been overturned, meaning it no longer has an effect. 
This gives each state in the U.S. the power to regulate or ban abortion. The effect of this decision is already seen casting a ripple effect around the world. Why did the Supreme Court decide to overturn Roe v. Wade? The ruling of the overturn stemmed from Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, a debate over a 2018 law that was passed by Mississippi's Republican-controlled legislator. This law states that abortion would be banned after 15 weeks of pregnancy, making exceptions for medical emergencies or cases of fetal irregularity, but not for rape or incest. Dobbs was greatly challenged by lower courts and caused even more controversy with conservative advocacy groups asking outright for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe. A recent alteration in the members of the Supreme Court also greatly aided to this decision. Adding on to your last point, how did the change in membership of the Supreme Court affect the Roe decision? On September 18, 2020, the Supreme Court lost one of its members, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was a leading voice for gender equality, women's rights, as well as civil rights and liberties. As a result of her death, a new Supreme Court justice needed to be appointed. Former President Trump appointed Amy Coney Barrett as an associate Supreme Court justice. Trump declared that he would put a pro-life justice onto the court. Another member was added after Anthony Kennedy, a former Supreme Court justice, retired. After his retirement, Brett Kavanaugh, also appointed by Trump, replaced Kennedy. This is when the Roe issue really heated up. Kavanaugh noted that the states were the ones who retained the power to grant or limit the right to an abortion. Add Coney Barrett to the mix, and the Supreme Court got tilted majorly to the right. In the end, a 5-4 decision was what overturned Roe v. Wade. The following judges voted to overturn Roe. Amy Coney Barrett, Samuel A. Alito Jr., Brett Kavanaugh, Neil M. Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas. Kagan, Sotomayor, and Breyer all voted in dissent. How are state legislators dealing with the overturn of Roe v. Wade? What is happening to different individual states, and how are they affected by this decision? Now, in order to break this down, here's what you need to know. After the overturn, abortion laws, whether restricting or legalizing, are now being determined by state governments. However, pre-Roe overturn, states opposing abortion were forced to repeal their abortion bans as one's right to abortion was federally protected. These states now have the ability to reinforce abortion restrictions and in some cases make it illegal. States that have completely criminalized abortion with penalties consist of a majority in the South and Midwest. Many of these states are the states that established abortion restrictions pre-Roe and had trigger laws ready for when the case was overturned. What about the states that are in the process of establishing bans? There are states that act hostile towards abortions with restrictive laws but still allow it. Tennessee is an example of a state that has a full ban on abortion, while another state, such as Nevada, has restrictions but an abortion is legal. Right. And have all states ultimately decided their ruling, or are some still in the process? Yes, many are still deciding. Some states with non-concluded laws on abortion, but still keep it accessible, are New Mexico, Virginia, and New Hampshire. And lastly, let's hear about the states with protected abortion rights in all cases. The states with fully expanded access and legally protected abortion rights consist of states such as California, New York, and Connecticut. All in all, 
After the overturn, there are 21 states with legally protected abortion rights, three states in limbo, and 26 states with existing abortion bans slash illegal. So that's a lot of information. Why don't we take a deeper look into some specific states? Starting off with our home state, what have New York's specific reactions been to the Roe v. Wade overturn? As previously mentioned, New York is one of the 10 American states where abortion rights are fully protected. These provisions have been in place for over 50 years predating Roe v. Wade's passing. Access to an abortion is non-restrictive to New York residents. In fact, anyone can come to New York and be able to receive abortion care. In fact, the procedure is accessible to anyone up until 24 weeks of the pregnancy. After this time frame, you may still get an abortion if your health or pregnancy is at risk. So, that covers New York. To get a larger picture, though, let's head over to a different part of the country and look at a different perspective. I know Texas has been a controversial state regarding reproductive rights. Could you dive deeper into what is happening in Texas? Texas has a long and complex history when it comes to abortion. In recent years, but before the overturn of Roe v. Wade, Texas politicians had been creating new legislation challenging one's access to an abortion. One thing widely done in Texas, as well as other states, was the creation of trigger laws. These laws are put in place for the specific moment where a court decision happens. These specific laws are quickly able to become enforced. The HB 1280 trigger law created in Texas banned one's ability to get an abortion after 30 days. So this June, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, Texas moved fairly quickly to make the HB 1280 official law. In fact, almost exactly one month after the decision of the overturn, Texas was able to enact their trigger laws. Texas currently prohibits an abortion at all stages of pregnancy, making only one exception if the pregnancy threatens the life of the mother. So that's one very right-leaning and one very liberal example. But are there any states with more moderate views and laws somewhere in the middle? Yeah, plenty. One of the states is Pennsylvania, where it really gets quite interesting. Abortion will most likely remain accessible, but it won't be legally protected. The current governor of Pennsylvania supports the idea of abortion rights, but there are a number of medically unnecessary restrictions that pose a challenge to access abortion care in the state. As of right now, there is a 24-week gestational limit. This means that at 24 weeks and no point further, termination of the fetus is permissible. There are several rules that need to be followed in order to have an abortion in Pennsylvania. However, not all these policies are easy to follow, some of them being parental consent, biased counseling requirements, and waiting periods all make abortion accessibility more difficult. In all, yes, there is access to these rights in Pennsylvania, but there's a lot of red tape to ensure the procedure happens. Okay, so now that we've talked about how these different states are handling Roe v. Wade, let's shift the perspective onto the people. How does the new Supreme Court decision on the Dobbs case change American life? Well, as mentioned before, the most obvious impact is the inaccessibility to a safe abortion in the many states making abortion illegal or restrictive. Now, this does not mean an abortion for these women is completely unattainable. 
but it certainly makes it more difficult. Women in these states can travel to other states with less restrictive abortion laws, as well as order abortion pills on the internet. Many of these medications are made internationally. The problem that arises with this is affordability. These options cost money, money that many women in these states may not have. In fact, just under 50% of U.S. abortion patients live under the federal poverty level. This raises one large question. Can economics and the abortion debate be separated? Is this a question of politics or class? As this pivotal moment for reproductive rights continues to enroll, join us on Before the Bell as we keep up with not only Roe v. Wade in the U.S., but abortion laws internationally. Thank you for joining us on our debut episode of Before the Bell Season 2. I'm Lindsley Berrios. And I'm Mia Robarts.